Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining with us for this week's podcast. This week, we have Dr. Bryce Ashlyn Mayo speaking again, and Bryce is the Dean of Theology at Ambrose University, and he's served with the Alliance for about 25 years, and so we're pleased to have him back bringing God's Word this week. The best way to know what's going on at Southview is by checking out our weekly viewpoint, and you can find a link to our viewpoint in the episode description of this podcast. And if you're new with us here in this digital space, we would love to hear from you. You can find an online connection card at the bottom of the viewpoint, along with a prayer request form so that we can support and join you in prayer. And additionally, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. But now today, no matter how you're joining with us, may your hearts be open and expectant because God is here and Jesus invites each of us to bring all that we are and all that we're currently carrying to him. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, let's seek the face of God together. Do you know why God whispers? It's not because he is far. It's not because he's trying to get a, somehow um, not get our attention. It's because he is so close. So even this evening as we come to the text and, and the message this morning or this evening or today, just let's open our hearts to the closeness of God who wants to speak truth into us. Whatever's going on, whatever situation or circumstance, something tonight's going to speak to you. God's going to use this to speak to you somehow. That's the truth of when we preach Scripture, and every preacher holds on to this with all that they are, even when they don't feel like it's landing the way they want it to. There's the truth that we preach the Word of God, and it doesn't return void. We preach it, and, 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 and God uses it in our lives. And so you've come here today, and my prayer, our prayer together, is that God would speak to you right in your circumstance. My prayer is that you would, you would understand that I'm preaching, um, hopefully you'll feel to you, because God wants to speak to you. Every one of us, in our own unique ways, through his word today. So before I jump into the passage we'll look at, a couple quick things. First, I want to bring greetings on behalf of the institution I serve. It's part of our larger church family that you're a part of here at Selfview. I serve at Ambrose University. I'm the dean of theology there, which means I oversee the seminary and the school of ministry, all of the training tracks for people who are looking towards vocational ministry or to better serve in their local church and leadership positions. And if you're interested in that or in our university, which trains men and women, for the work of God around the world in a variety of different vocations and tracks from biology to business to psychology to sociology, etc. We would love to talk with you because we are all about sharing the good news of Jesus with our world in a variety of different ways um, through the different vocations that God has called us to. And we'd love to be able to chat with you about that. You can go see my friend Brandon who's out there at our booth and talk about our different programs, maybe ways you can support the school, part of your denominational families. We train young men and women, and more mature men and women for those that are in our, typically in our seminaries, for the work of God both here and around the world. Well, I want to begin today by asking you this question, or maybe making an observation. Friends, we have a problem. We struggle with waiting. 
Even waiting the 10 seconds for me to tell you the problem I was thinking about for waiting was hard to wait for, right? We, we struggle and wrestle with this. Our challenge with waiting is everywhere in our society. Think momentarily about the last purchase you made from Amazon or from Apple or from Best Buy or whatever place you purchase something on. I almost guarantee you now, this is part of our, our kind of our collective consciousness, we wait at our phones and we track that package from Shanghai to Calgary every step of the way. I've purchased an Apple computer to ask for constant updates, and I would get texts of where my computer or my computer was in the transit to my house, and it made no sense to me. It has no sense of geography. It would go all over the world, back and forth, up to Alaska, down to somewhere in South America, then back over to Europe. It was ridiculous, right? But we are so obsessed with it because we want to see where it is because we want it today. I'm old enough and I'm old enough for lots of things now, but I'm old enough to remember that when I wanted to see something on the internet or look something up on the internet, I would go to a disc that I would have. It was called AOL for those people who are under the age of 40. This is where you would get a disc in the mail to give you access to the internet. And the internet was your, was your computer and it would have to connect to your phone line before cell phones, the only phone line going in and out of your house and take up the whole computer or the whole kind of phone system for whatever long you were on the internet for. And I remember when you would go to a website and it was just basically a clear background and basic text. You're looking up something from the library or looking up some information about something, doing some research, and you would kick load, and then you would go to the kitchen, you'd make yourself a cup of coffee, maybe make yourself a, a sandwich, do the dishes, and then come back and see it had loaded. And now, what do we do? Well, this is only like 15, 20 years later. If it doesn't load within two seconds, exit out, go to the next thing, right? I'm not waiting two seconds for something I would have had to wait forever for. I'm also old enough to remember when Netflix used to be a service that would send those things called DVDs. This is before Blu-rays. DVDs to your house. Like it wasn't a streaming service. It would mail it in the mailbox that you get all of those flyers, like the flyer delivery system. It's not really a mail system anymore. It's a flyer delivery system, at least according to the stuff I get in the mail. And you would get your CD or your, your, your DVDs and you would send them back. And it was kind of worked like this, right? And you get frustrated when the movie you wanted to see was on back order and you had to wait for someone to finally finish so it would get sent to your house. Right? This is our struggle with waitings. We humans struggle with waiting. Yet, waiting is important in every good song, in every good story, in every healthy relationships, yes, husbands and wives, and in every good life. Waiting is good. Because waiting activates and develops trust and activates and develops faith. Waiting in many ways is a hidden gift we are too impatient to wait for. So it's of little surprise then that the human struggle with waiting that we all experience extends to our spiritual lives. Even here, we're addicted to fast, right? To having things in our terms, our agenda, our control, and our kind of, our, our, our kind of pathway to success. And friends, it's slowly and relentlessly killing our souls. And we will soon discover as we look into God's word that it's more idolatrous than we might 
think. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus chapter 34, 33, and 34. And we're going to discover how prayer can help us know God and wait. The gift God wants to give us in waiting. Exodus chapter 3, chapter 34, we're going to look momentarily at starting in verse 12. But I want us to take a moment, back up a little bit, and get a sense of the story that we're going to look at. So, to understand the story we're going to look at today, or, or today, um, we need to briefly understand the background and context it's found in. So I want to give you a context. So if you're new to the Bible, this will help you understand the story we're going to look at. If, if you've been around church for a long time, it's a good refresher and reminder to where this portion of Scripture takes place. So bear with me. Here's the background to the story we're going to look at with Moses up on the mountain meeting with God. So early in the Exodus account found in Scripture, it's the second book of the Bible, the Israelites exit Egypt and the slavery that they're under with Pharaoh. And they cross the Red Sea, miraculously it splits in two, and God leads them miraculously towards deliverance. And after they leave Egypt, they encamp at Mount Sinai on their way to the Promised Land. And Moses goes up on the mountain where he'll eventually get the tablets with the Ten Commandments. And as he does, the people get incredibly impatient. They're impatient because they're waiting on Moses. And Moses is taking in their perspective way too long. And their waiting leads to eventual kind of collectively uh, being so frustrated and so, uh, and so kind of overwhelmed with waiting that they make a golden calf, an idol, and they worship it. Now, What's important to understand about this golden calf story of the Israelites who make it to worship it is most Old Testament scholars will say that it's less of an act of idolatrous rebellion and more an act of spiritual panicking. The people are panicking because things aren't happening the way they think they should. Moses is taking way too long and God is acting way too slow. As a result, they make a graven image. They break the first and second command of a golden calf, and they profoundly and with great abandon in the reverentry, as, as the scriptures tells us, worship it. They insert their agenda, they insert their power, and they insert their control because God, in their perspective, isn't working fast enough or in their perspective of how God should work. This was the sin of the Israelites that God obviously, as we will learn, gets very angry over. But it's also the sin of us. Because doesn't this sound familiar in our life story? In our waiting for God to answer, to move, or to act? How might we be prone to spiritual panicking and start to act in ways that insert our control over God's? I remember several years ago, I was leading at a time in, in the church I was pastoring um, years and years ago um, through a very difficult circumstance. And it was it, one of those circumstances, and if anybody here has been a leader for long enough, you've experienced, and if you've been a church leader long enough, you've experienced these two. God wasn't acting or, 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 or reacting the way I thought he should. 
And I had never prayed so hard. I had never trusted I thought so great. I was waiting such a long time and passionately, um, I'm kind of coming before God and asking him to move like never before. I have full journals, whole journals of me pouring my heart out to God that he wasn't acting fast enough in the way that I thought was needed in the situation. I knew or I thought I knew what God needed to do. And God, for whatever reason, because he's not as smart as me, wasn't doing it fast enough. God was silent and seemingly inactive. And I was frustrated. Didn't God know that my reputation was on the line? Didn't God know that the future of the ministry and the church was at stake? God seemed profoundly absent. Yet, as is always the case in my life and probably yours looking back, God's Delay wasn't God's abandon. God's delay wasn't God's abandon. God's delay was because he had a different path in mind, a different timeline, a different agenda, and one that was way better than mine. Thank goodness God didn't answer my prayers. Thank goodness God didn't act in the time frame I thought he should act. Thank goodness God didn't care about my agenda. He had a better one. And yet at the moment, all I saw was things from my perspective, and I didn't want to wait anymore. I was tired of trusting, tired of being faithful. I wanted to see God act in my agenda, in my time, and God wasn't doing it. And yet in my and in our impatient and agenda-filled waitings, my prayers and some of my actions were more reflective of a spirit of fear and doubt and panic than of a spirit of faith and of hope and of peace. My prayers were more about me asking God to act on my agenda and less about me to know God and know his character and submit to his agenda. Can you relate? I'm going to imagine there's lots of people in this room that have been praying for years for something to happen. Lots of people in this room that have a specific thing that they're frustrated that God isn't acting over. There's people in this room who have a wayward son or a daughter that they've been praying for, and God doesn't seem to be doing anything to soften hearts or move their life trajectory. Other people that are waiting for God to show up and provide, and they're trusting and believing, and God doesn't seem to care or act, and you're asking, where is he? And I'm going to church, and God better tell me where he is and why he's not acting the way he's supposed to be acting and doing what he's supposed to be acting, and maybe it's on me. Maybe there's something I need to do. Or maybe somebody here or a family member that you've been praying forever for God to bring his healing, and God, for whatever reason, hasn't. Whatever the season of spiritual waiting you are in, I'm going to suggest that this sermon, this portion of Scripture we're going to look at is for you. So the story then, now that the Israelites are panicking in their worship of golden calf, continues with Moses pleading with God to destroy the Israelites. And he pleads with God not to destroy the Israelites. And he comes down the mountain with the Ten Commandments as a sign of God's covenant. And as Moses discovers the idolatry, he breaks the, tablet, the tablets, and God sends a plague 
And then Moses goes back to see God, who is understandably angry at the Israelites, who no sooner entered into a covenant with God, broke it. And Moses begs for God's mercy, and God tells the Israelites that they will go back to the promised land, but God will not go with them. And it's here that we pick up the story as Moses intercedes again for God's people. And as we do, I want you to see the contrast between the panicking Israelites who fashion a, this takes a while to do, I've never done it, but I'm going to assume collecting all the gold, melting it down, and forming a golden calf is not an easy task. But they make this, this panicked Israelites who make this calf contrast it with Moses' response. And we'll discover him praying to know God and Moses' trust in God's character as opposed to maybe the perspective of what God's timing needed to be. So as we look together, how then do we wait on God? As we'll learn from Moses, we pray to know God in his presence. We trust God in his character. So now, that's the context. Let's look at the scripture. So let's look together at Exodus chapter 33, starting in verse 12. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. So, may, so again, Moses is back up. He's talking to God after all this has transpired. And it says this, Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you. In order to find favor in your sight, consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to them, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring me up from here. Again, I'll read this because we'll come back to this. If your presence will not go with me, do not bring me up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, the very thing that you've spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. And Moses said, please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all the goodness, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will show you mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face for a man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand in the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I pass by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, and my face shall not be seen. There's a lot going on in this portion of Scripture, but I want to tackle a couple of things on the, 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 the contrast between the panicking Israelites, often us, and the nature of Moses, who spends time with God in a desire to know God's presence. Because to deal with waiting and to wait well, we do so by praying to know God and his presence. Did you catch that verse 15? If your presence will not go with me, do not bring me up from here. Did you catch that for Moses? 
the promised land, the land that's supposed to be filled with milk and honey, the land that Israelites for generations had longed to be in, this sense of this promised land of all of the blessings that they were waiting for. For Moses, the promised land wasn't worth giving up God's presence for. In your waiting, whatever that may be, ask yourself, what do I want most? God's presence or the thing I'm praying for in the time frame I want? What do you want most? Moses seeks God's presence and, and, and God and gets in a glimpse of him and, and, we, and, and uh, gets a glimpse of him of what we experience fully now through Christ because the scriptures tell us in Colossians 3.3 3, that we are hidden in Christ. So this is kind of a glimpse of God walking by Moses. We get a glimpse of, we get a glimpse of this in the, in the text from something we now experience in the full in Christ. And this is the sense Moses sees that because he so desires that. The separate from the promise land, which they'll eventually get to, but the sense that I don't wait to get to the promised land. Moses recognizes that you can have the promised land and not the presence of God, and that would be a loss. He would choose to experience the promised land or experience God's presence even in all of the waiting. And in that, that would be better God's presence than the promised land itself. So as we wait, in whatever the situation is in your life, for God to act, for God to answer a prayer, pray to know God and his presence. In other words, as you wait, if God doesn't heal you in this life, you'll have to wait until the next. If Jesus doesn't give you the thing that you're praying for in the time frame you're praying for it, if you never get that position you aspire to, if Jesus doesn't answer your prayers in the way or the timing you expect, Jesus is still enough. His presence is worthy and it's what we should seek above all things. Like Moses in the waiting, we're invited to focus on God and his presence. It will protect us from reacting in a spirit of fear and of doubt and of panic and instead respond as we see Moses do in faith and in hope and in peace, experiencing the presence of God and recognizing the beauty of that in our lives. This is the invitation to us. We learn to wait by praying to know God and his presence, but also by trusting in God's character. So the, sp the story goes on here, and it continues with Moses creating two new tablets and going back on the mountain, and the following happens here. Exodus chapter 34, starting in verse 5. Again, the word of the Lord. The Lord descended on the cloud and stood with them there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the, Lo the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, Keep, keeping steadfast love for thousands, following uh, uh, iniquity and transgression and sin. But who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers of the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation? And Moses quickly bowed his head towards the earth and worshiped. Now, in our waiting, as we pray in our waiting to know God, we begin 
to then see God's character as Moses does here. Now, in the Bible, God's character is consistently shown in the same way. And this is actually the first time God's character is said with these kind of descriptors. And then it's all throughout the scriptures, even into the New Testament. These are common phrases that we understand God. And I want you to unpack these because these are things that the English language doesn't fully describe. It's why, for example, you know, come to Ambrose, learn some biblical languages. It can help you understand some of the fullness of the text. Here's some examples here of this picture of who God is. So in our waiting, we can, we can, we can call out to God to act in our time, in our, in, our, in, our, in, our, in our moment, and be frustrated when God doesn't do it. And sometimes those frustration is fair. Why is God taking so long? That's a fair human emotion. But in that, in that frustration of God not acting, we turn our call to God and experience his presence, and then begin to experience and know his character which is described as this, which Moses experiences. And here's the explanation. God is merciful. Some translations use the word compassionate. The Hebrew word here translated as merciful or compassionate um, is related to the English word of womb. This is the sense of like a motherly compassion for her child that would give anything for her child. This is the picture of God. The God to whom in your frustration and your, and your waiting right now is compassionate towards you. The sense of the, the, the womb of God who wants to hold you and mercifully, and mercifully and with compassion. It also says the God is gracious. And the idea of grace is an idea of unmerited favor, yes, but the Hebrew word here for graciousness also has the sense of it's motivated by delight. God shows us unmerited favor, yes, but not because he has to put up with us, although it might be true. It definitely was true with the Israelites, but because he also delights in us. This is God's character, the one to be known in the midst of our waiting, who is compassionate, merciful, but also gracious, who, who shows you unmerited favor because he delights in you. And then it says, God's slow to anger. Now, fascinatingly, this is like a Hebrew idiom and translated uh, kind of like literally means God is of long nose. And otherwise, in, in the Hebrew text, there phrases like this would be a person of a red nose or a hot nose. This idea when you've seen this, somebody gets angry, they get flushed in their face. So this is a sense of God is a God of long nose. In other words, he's slow to anger. He's slow to anger. He's so patient with us. Even in our frustrating waiting and misunderstanding, God is slow to anger and understanding. And then in his steadfast love, this is a, a Hebrew word that's all throughout the Old Testament. Nobody really knows how to translate it, but it's this concept of hasad. It's this, this sense of like a, a, a kind of a loyal, uh, a, a loyal, gener uh, sorry, a, lo a loyal love. It's generous and, and it's steeped with commitment. It's a sense that I have a hasad love for you, not because of anything you do, but because of my commitment towards you. This is God's love to us. It's his said love. He loves us not because of what we can do or our commitment, because we all fail. We all get frustrated in our waiting even. It's because God loves us incredibly, and it's his commitment that's the basis of that love. And it's God's faithfulness. And faithfulness is a whole idea of meaning truth and stable character, trustworthiness. It's actually related to the other Hebrew word, amen, that we use in English when the end of our prayers, which means that's truth. 
this sense of God being faithful, that God's being true to who he is. He's a stable character and trustworthiness. And then it says at the end, God is forgiving, uh, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, who by no means clears the guilty. In other words, God is gracious, but God also cares about justice. God does not just let evil go unpunished. Thank goodness. In short, God is saying that justice will matter, but mercy, as James 2.13 says, mercy always triumphs over justice with, with God. So as we wait, we trust in God's character. As we wait for God to answer, as we wait for God to act, in all of our temptation and all of our frustrated uh, challenges, we trust in God's character. Reject the temptation to assume that your way is the best way, that your timing is the best timing, that your agenda is the best timing. I have learned and have seen frequently in my life, as probably others can attest to, it turns out God is way smarter than me. I have learned to submit my plans to God. I keep learning this. And I realize, guess what? God is way wiser than me, turns out. Instead of focusing then our prayers all the time on our agenda and our lists of how God should work, which sometimes, sadly, my, uh, my, my journals end up becoming, I need to learn to recognize that sometimes I need to just surrender my view of how God should act to who God is and embrace his character that the scripture tells us clearly he's gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. This is God's invitation to you and me in the midst of our waiting. And as we do, there's lasting hope and freedom can be found in this. So Selfview, our struggle with waiting oftentimes is like the Israelites and it leads to panic response of power and control. And it's killing our souls and driving us crazy and making us frustrated and wondering Countless questions. And in the midst of whatever that is for you, even today as you came to, to, to church and you came here and maybe you've got this prayer request you've been praying forever, you've got this challenge that you need God to provide for you, you've got this answer of what my future might look like and God never seems to give you the answer you want in the time frame he want, you want it in. Would you hold on to those prayer requests? Don't give them up. Don't stop waiting. I'm not trying to dismiss the waiting. It's a gift. But turn your attention to the one whose presence is better than the promised land, whose character is always trustworthy and true. And as we do, it changes and transforms us. And as we do, we begin to see our world through a different perspective. And as we do, begin to realize that our whole lives can be revolving around God and who he is, and it changes us. And as a result, it gives us a peace that's beyond all understanding. As a result, we receive the freedom that what does it mean to follow Jesus? And as a result, we receive the peace that passes all understanding because that's who God is and who he wants to, and, and, and the, the one who wants to meet us in the midst of our waiting. So this evening, in a moment, we're going to come to the communion table. And we're going to remember Jesus' death and resurrection, and we're going to receive 
We're going to receive the spiritual food in our lives, and we're going to turn and direct our lives around Jesus, who wants to meet us in the midst of whatever waiting that we are in today. And invite us to stop panicking. And invite us to come. Come and receive who God is. In the midst of your challenge and your circumstance, and in that experience, his joy, his peace, his kindness, his goodness, his steadfast love, his graciousness, his compassion, because that's the God who wants to meet us even in our waiting. Because, friends, our world has told us that waiting is bad. We should avoid waiting, that things should just happen faster than we could imagine. But it's in the waiting we experience trust. It's in the waiting we experience hope. It's in the waiting we can experience more and more of who God is and his character. Embrace the gift of waiting because we experience the gift of the presence to whom we put all of our hope in, which is Jesus. Let me pray. Jesus, we come before you this day. We come before you with the recognition that in the midst of our waiting, that your delay is not your abandon. Your delay may mean that you um, have a different way for us, but you are always with us. You promise to never leave us nor forsake us. And so, God, I pray for my friends who have gathered here, many of which have been waiting in their lives for you to answer a prayer, for you to pr provide for them in some way, for you to, to change a life or to change a circumstance. And God, for whatever reason you haven't done that in the time frame, we would want it. And we're in this midst of a waiting, in this midst of a space between what was and what will be. And in that threshold space, in that liminal space that we're in, we embrace the gift of waiting by looking to you, the presence of God that we're invited to meet. And in it, we can experience that because Jesus, um, you are here with us, even as we'll experience at the communion table. And in it, we experience the God whose character is trustworthy and true, compassionate and merciful, of long-suffering and of, uh, of, of patience, slow to anger. This is the God to whom we worship and the God to whom will meet us and provide your peace, even if our circumstance never changes. And so, Jesus, we meet with you and we worship you. We thank you that you are here. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, the table... We are reminded of Jesus' body and his blood. The remembrance of the bread and the cup that we have here. So I'm going to invite you to take the, the bread out. We're reminded that in communion, we remember the death and resurrection of Jesus by this meal. But also, it's an act of receiving of grace, the receiving of, of the, the real presence of Jesus who meets us by his spirit. So today, I invite you to take this bread, and let me read from you from 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that says this, For I see from the Lord, but I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us take the bread and partake. I invite you to open up the bottom portion. Hold it in your hand. In the same way, he 
He also took the cup after supper, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's proclaim the Lord's death together. We've been accustomed in the church to believe that somehow God will always shout to us. We've been accustomed in the church to believe that somehow God will always answer our prayers in the way we somehow think he should ask, answer them. Yet the truth is often God meets us in the whisper because he is close to us. Meets us in the whisper in the hospital room because God's close to the brokenhearted and the grieving. He meets us in the whisper when he's guiding us in our directions. He meets us in a whisper because he oftentimes waits to the last minute before he tells us what he wants us to do. Because in all those circumstances, we realize that God cares about us and being in relationship with us, being close to us. And in that, in this, may you leave with the remembrance of a God who is has loyal love for you, a God who is merciful and compassionate, a God who you can look to and always hope in, and a God who will never leave you or forsake you. All promises of Scripture that you can leave here with, regardless of how long you are waiting or how long you will wait for whatever circumstances you are in, and trust in Jesus in the midst of it. So I want to leave you with these words from Moses. It's a priestly blessing that God gave Moses to give to the Israelites. It says this, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Would you wait in the peace of our Lord Jesus who meets with you in his good character? Go in peace, Selfie.